Hello and welcome to another Milwaukee Admirals podcast. Sirens blaring, lights flashing. This is number 50. This is a milestone one, Charlie. Number a, ma- a major event, absolutely. 50. They said we couldn't do two, and we did <laughs> we we're now did 50. At 50. Now we're at 50. And I don't know who, to cut you guys off, too. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who I don't know who is who they are, but they yeah. did it. They said it and they did it and we did it and all of that. Yeah. And for to celebrate this milestone, uh, it makes all the sense in the world to have the man who uh, really is responsible for for pro hockey in the state of Wisconsin right now. Uh, he's uh, the owner of the Milwaukee Admirals, Harris Turr. Uh, Harris, uh, thanks for your time. Uh, how are you doing? How's everything going? Well, it's great to be on. I'm, I, I'm pleased I finally was able to get on the show. I begged and pleaded it, and it finally worked. I guess at 20, I slipped you guys each while it worked. But uh, no, things are good. Um, you know, it, it, I was asked on a, on a radio show yesterday, like, hey, you know, what, uh, what's the hardest part of uh, what's going on right now? I said, it's the unknown. And I think that's, I think for all of us, you know, are we going to play? If we are, when? What will it look like, et cetera? And so that, I think, is the hardest part for me. But, uh, you know, we're doing well. And uh, I hope everyone else who is watching this when you when you well. say what when you say what will it look like do you you mean the schedule you mean fans in the stands that kind of thing right this everything from like event. would what would a schedule look like how often would you play I mean I don't believe there will that we will be allowed to have fans especially early on there's no yeah. way I, I just don't see that at this moment in time uh, not with what's going on not only in Milwaukee but around the country and so. But we'll see, you know, time's going to tell and whether or not we can get a schedule and we can make this happen. It's it's uh, still a waiting game and we're doing a lot of work behind the scenes trying to figure that out. And obviously, obviously, the uh, you know, we take so much lead from the NHL in everything that we do. But even after the NHL gets ready, it's no guarantee that the AHL can just say, OK, we're following suit because like the admirals we're you, you own the admirals not the NHL affiliate, and there's 11 others like that. So it throws a whole different uh, 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 wrench into the works there. Exactly, Charlie. And, and the other thing that goes on, of course, is that their financial model is a little different than ours. Yes. They can at least get some dollars out of television, uh, radio, what have you. We just don't have those uh, avenues to of revenue. And so we we're dependent upon fans. We're dependent upon those people coming, spending their hard-earned money with us, uh, going to concession stands, going to our store and making us a viable entity. And without them and without our sponsors, uh, it's really hard, you know, and if we don't have fans, we probably don't have many sponsors or if they do, how much will they, how much are they willing to spend to have their signs and their messages heard basically by no one. Right. Absolutely. So I, I was thinking about you a lot yesterday because uh, your attitude about things, um, because Major League Baseball, as you know, has really, really changed its minor league system. And it appears that St. Paul is going to be the affiliate for the Minnesota Twins. And there was a, a lot of social media banter about the Saints. And I said, the saints were great because they were the show minor league sports in a major league city. It it has to be about, it has to be a good part about the overall show. And I think you embraced that right from the beginning. When you bought the admirals, you understood that to compete with the brewers, to compete with the Packers, to compete with the Bucks, it may not be the easiest thing, but if you can give people a hell of a good time, then they'll come back and they'll remember things. And that's, that's kind of what I based it on. It, we we have we had to do that right from the beginning and we did embrace that um i already knew very early on that mike wojciechowski uh he he was the brains behind so much of the minor league attitude that the admirals had but i think he was restricted by so many different things and i said hey mike you're you're on you know start those creative juices going uh you, I read a lot of stuff about how minor league baseball, as you were talking about, was appealing to people in various communities. It's like you had to create a niche to bring people out because the players change all the time. The only thing that wasn't changing except for every so, every so many years was the logo and the name. And so how do you bring people to a game and entice them to spend their money? And it was 
Let's have fun. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a great time. You're going to spend your, your money and leave our building saying, hey, we had a good time. We had a lot of fun and it was worth spending the money with that organization. I mean, I think about the, uh, I want to, I do want to get into like the whole, before you even bought the team, how you came to that. But I, you mentioned that let's, let's have fun. And I remember your attitude right from the start. And you said, the first thing we're going to do, maybe not the first thing, we're having an Admiral Supporter Night. We are having, we're giving away jock straps and it's calling Admiral Supporter Night. And I, we tell people that and you know, if I go to talk to a class or something like that, and we say that, and the people can't even be- can't believe that we would do something like that, and that our owner would permit that, and I tell them it wasn't our owner; it was his idea to do that, and it's just to have fun, right? Don't take ourselves too seriously. No, you can't. I mean, we'll let the guys in the locker room, as we were talking earlier, you know, let them take things seriously and deal with the seriousness of uh, player development and how the team's doing, but. The things that we could control included the fun and, and excitement and the music and the things that we did on and off the ice. And so how do you, that was how do the you, fun part. How do you walk that line? Because I know there have been coaches that are very intense, obviously, and they want to get to the NHL and they want their players to do well and they want to win hockey games and all of that stuff. Is that a line that you've had to walk? Is that a line that when Tim Van Wagener was around, he really had to tread lightly when he walked into the locker room. Is that, are those things that happened? Well, one of my favorite stories, Charlie, I think uh, may have been there when this happened, but I don't recall. One of the most memorable games that I've ever had as the owner, we had the uh, dropkick Murphys in for a concert. We had a huge crowd and we had some really interesting people at the game. They were dressed in kilts and they just couldn't wait for this concert. And, they were, they had had a few beers along the way and they were cheering for our team and the game just so happened to be amazing. Yeah. And it was goal after goal after goal. And I want to say the game finished nine, eight with a goal in overtime by Robert Dietrich. Yeah. Okay. And I just thought it was the greatest game. One of the greatest games I've ever seen as, especially as owner of the Admirals. And I go in that locker room and Lane Lambert was our head coach. And I'm like, Lane, that was amazing. What a game. Cause the crowd went wild and I, and I went a huge crowd. So I'm sky high. And Lane goes, you thought that was a great game. And I go, yeah, I did. He's like, well, I'm happy you did. He goes, because we effing sucked. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, then, you know, and I, and I guess that was it. You talk about the fine line. That was the fine line. I, the owners got a big crowd, maybe the biggest we had ever had in my ownership at that moment in time. And the crowd went crazy because we won a game in the most amazing fashion. And the coach just put the cold water right down on it. <laughs> but that was his job. And that my job was different. And so that's the, that's that fine line. Have you noticed though, over the years and, and, and Lane was, Lane was, Lane is an awesome coach and an awesome oh, yeah. being right. Just, just, the best, the top of the top. Um, but have you noticed in your interactions and maybe you don't have the interactions that you've had in the past, but uh, most of the time they understand the show, the, you know, these people who are in there, they understand, you know, yes, you might win seven, six, or you might lose seven, six, but there was three fights and there was a lot of goals and fans were up and down and high-fiving each other. And overall it was just this beautiful scene. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think of our current coach, you know, I mean, he, he thinks it's, you know, when we have a good game, he realizes, he realizes when we have a crowd and recognizes that he almost, it's like he, the entertainment as a fan, as well as a coach. Yeah. And so it's often, we have players, we, over the years, we've had guys like they know, they know there's a good crowd. We've had guys who, you know, like you would say, start a fight up and get the crowd into the game or, you know, just do all kinds of things because they know they're performing. Well, Just yeah, like think, any other performer. I, I think so much. Like Kelsey Wilson was one of those yes, guys. Definitely. Uh, uh, just this last year, Mike McCarron, when he goes and spins a helmet out at center ice to after he fights a guy in Rockford. I mean, that th- those type of things that um, your old school hockey coach probably doesn't care for. <laughs> Does not appreciate that, no. <laughs> but 10,000 10, fans are going ape about it. So yeah, right. Cool. And I think that's important. I think, you know, especially when you come to one of our games, especially in a community like Milwaukee, I'm not saying hockey certainly exists, young people play, but not to the numbers, let's say you're, you're talking about in 
Minnesota and such. And so you're trying to appeal to people who may not come to a lot of games or be big hockey fans, but they're looking for entertainment and that entertains. Yeah. So let's, let's go back 15 years ago or 16 years ago. The admirals are in the estate of Jane Petta had died uh, in September 9th at 01. And we had sort of languished, had a few suitors. And then you finally came along and bought the team, but take us through that process. How did you get, when did the, who gave you the idea to, to maybe I should buy the Admirals to actually doing it? So the story is, goes, I, uh, I've, at that time, was already one of the owners of the Brewers. And I sat on the board of directors of the team. At the, this is when the ceilings still were the main owners and running the, the show there. And um, Jane Pettit came on as an owner when um, I did. And so then soon after she became sick and was no longer attending meetings and she sent her representative. One of, and that person was a guy named Fran Croak, an attorney. Uh, he passed away a couple of years ago. And well, Fran and I developed like, at first I was like, who is this like crotchety old man? Old man. I, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. Fran was older, but he represented Jane's estate and we'd sit at brewer meetings <laughs> and they're somewhat serious. And then every once in a while, he'd write a little note down on paper and slide it next to me. Cause we always sat next to each other and it would be the funniest damn thing. And <laughs> like, you would never expect it out of this guy. Like you think like this guy is serious attorney, old school, but he would say the funniest things in these notes. So we developed a friendship and uh, I would ask him, like, what's going on with the Admirals? And it's just like, you know, we're trying to sell it. We get people coming by, kicking the tires. And just nothing was happening. Then one day, literally out of the blue, I got a call from someone who I would call an acquaintance. And he knew that my kids, his kids were playing youth hockey and so were mine. And he calls me. He's like, hey, have you ever thought about buying the Admirals? And he was in the investment world. And I said, no, I haven't. Why? And he goes, I think you should. It would be great. He goes, I heard they had a deal just fall through. Be a great opportunity. I said, well, I don't know anything about this. I said, but I know the person to call and find out. So I called Fran and I told him, I said, a little birdie told me that you had a deal fall through and the team's for sale. And he's like, how the heck do you know that? It, it, and I said, I, I can't tell you, but I do know. He goes, well, it's true. He goes, why? And I said, I don't know, but I might be interested. And from then, you know, and one of the things that occurred to me is my, my son would take me to games. I used to watch Charlie do the Pepsi twist and oh, yeah. all that. And we, you know, the great thing is you go to an Admirals game anytime, sit anywhere you wanted. There wasn't many people at the game. I never thought like, oh, I'm going to buy the team. And then, you know, it started to occur to me when my son was playing, like he just loved going to games. He would drag me there to watch and I enjoyed them. I went, used to go as a kid. So then the opportunity to buy the team and take these ideas. And, and we're sort of going back to what you were talking about earlier, Aaron, you said, you know, and Charlie, we, we wanted to become this minor league team. And I knew quite a bit about minor league marketing and what they were doing. And I'm like, wow, I could run my own team, do the things I wanted to do, like supporter night and really have fun with it. And be involved in something, you know, my whole life, I just, sports was the thing I loved. And so the, here was this perfect opportunity. And I ended up putting a group of people together. I wanted to show the community that we were serious and we had some really great people involved. And, and lo and behold, one thing led to another and we ended up buying the team. How you long know, is that process from, from the seed being planted to the day that you're introduced? Is it just a couple of months? Is it Yes, it was actually just a few months. I think it was like in January, he called me saying, hey, would you, what do you think? And then started kicking the tires around. And I, I remember I came to a couple of games, like, and it was sort of becoming clear I was going to buy the team. And it was funny because there was this lady I knew that I know, and she's like, you know, my son would love to ride the Zamboni. Do you know anybody who could help get him on the Zamboni? I said, I think I do. I, I might be able to help you down the road. <laughs> and um, little as you know, it was me. And so uh, it was only a few months. And I remember I went down to the Masters golf tournament. A friend of mine, he, they hosted a bunch of people. Fran Croak was there. 
I was there and I was talking to a couple more people about joining the group. And we really finally, we finalized the deal down in Augusta, Georgia. And then when I came oh. back, we made the announcement and, and that was how it all went how many, how many people were in the original group? I mean, there were quite a few. There were quite a few. They all bought very small parts. I was always going to own at least 50%. And there was everybody from Ben Sheets and yeah. Mark Adonacio to how Kurt do you propose? I don't mean to interrupt. I apologize. But how do you approach a Ben Sheets about this? Or do you talk to the, your people, talk to his people kind of thing? Or how does this work? John Greenberg. John was at the Brewers at the time. And I was already talking to him about taking this job. Mm-hmm. And I said, gee, it might be fun to have someone like Ben Sheets on board with this thing. And I, I, I can't recall why we came up with Ben. I know we also talked to Jeff Jenkins. He just wasn't interested. Ben, ben Sheets was high. Pro- I mean, let's remember what a phenomenal pitcher he was. He had some right. issues, obviously some arm issues and injuries, but oh my goodness, what a pitcher. Yeah, exactly. So that was sort of how it all came together. You know, I very clearly remember if I'd only known back then what I know now, but we had, we would have these meetings before Harris bought the team. It would be me and Woj and, and Fran Eddie, you know, Fran had been fired actually, unfortunately, and Phil, and we would meet every Monday and then Phil would sort of give an update on this owner or that owner. And I think there was a lot of people who we thought were going to, you know, had interest. And I remember very clearly one, the one Monday meeting, he says, okay, you know, we have Harris Turr, He's, he's really looking at the team. He's, he's going to be here with his kids on Friday night. We're playing Utah. And uh, so we got to put on a good show. And Okay, great. This is fantastic. Well, one of the things we did, we had a Pepsi drinking contest. And we bring these kids up onto the platform. I'm the game host. Like you said, I'm doing, I'm, I was doing the Pepsi twisted. But this time we didn't do the twist. We did the Pepsi drinking contest. It was warm diet Pepsi. And we lined up, you had two 12 ounce cups that these kids had to chug. And it wasn't always warm, but it wasn't always cold. This time it was completely room temperature. And I'm standing there and I see that it was just like the movie Stand By Me when they're when the guy's doing the complete and total barfarama. Because the kid, he pounds that first Pepsi so fast. <laughs> and then... I can just see it. I can, I see him drinking the next one and it's going slower. And like the lump in his, in the lump. <laughs> like, and I'm like, Oh, this kid's going to barf. And I just, everything just starts happening in slow motion. The kid pukes, the, the girl next to him drops her soda. It spills everywhere. He goes, she goes flying. There's people right in front of him. And while this is happening, I am thinking to myself, Oh God, the guy who's gone that wants to buy our team is here right now. And there's no I probably team. loved every minute. I of know. It. That's what I think now is you're like, oh, this is great. But back then I thought to myself, oh my God. I, I like, I'm done. Like, this is it. We're, 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 we're over. Thanks to this stupid Pepsi drinking contest. When, uh, when we do the when we do the this is your life for Charlie Larson, we're gonna find that kid. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You remember this voice, Charlie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right we hear him talk i don't recognize that and then i hear him barf yeah okay i think we'd have to go back you know i wonder if i have it in the archives i think he was from a a junior achievement that was a program we used to work with junior achievement of wisconsin and i think he was a a kid from junior achievement but boy that that, that was scary that was one of two times kids puked. People puked while I was the game host. The other was a, a Milwaukee pickles pickle eating contest. Uh, yeah. How but many that, pickles could you possibly eat? I don't know, but this kid didn't puke on camera. He bolted to the bathroom and uh, and, and 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 dumped his pickles in there. You said you said you got the archive from all the Bradley Center stuff. Do you have I this? Do. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna look for that when we're done for sure. <laughs> that would be yeah. awesome. Oh gosh, okay. that would be. So good. So good. That's, oh, yeah. That's so good. So that aside, Harris, you still decided, OK, we're going to we're going to buy the team. Um, oh, absolutely. It, I loved it. You know, I, I could see like what the, actually that was like you can see, OK, this is what this thing can become. This yeah. fun, interactive, Barfing. good time. And th- the big thing was, like I said, you could sit anyway, buy a ticket, sit anywhere in the building. It was like that. There was nobody there. And so that was actually, though, the, the potential. 
is like you go to a game, you see nobody there. Like, well, there should be more people here. I, I, there, the Admirals were always a popular uh, attraction in the community. People loved going to games. I remember going to games, whether it was at the arena or at the brass, big numbers. So something had been lost and, over a few year period. And so, you know, and, and as I've learned, it was, you know, Jane and Lloyd, they, they, nobody was around and they just sort of let the thing slowly melt away. And yeah. I thought that was the potential of the Admirals is to bring them back to life, get, have the opportunity to run the organization. And, uh, you know, it was the best, best decision I ever made in terms of professional. I just, I've loved every minute of it. You know, you know there's a, highs and lows in every job and everything yeah. you do, but it's been amazing. You say you, and it's easy to say 16 years after the fact, but I'm curious if you felt that way, like right, right off the bat, like, you know, the December of 2005 or, when Kyle Schultz dies in, in October of 05 or, or things like, like all of a sudden Not here, we're breath. starting something big. And unfortunately, well, Char Charlie yeah. remembers this moment. So oh, yeah. the day that I'm announced as the owner, the team had a game seven against Cincinnati in the right. press. And, and you know, I didn't realize it, but the team was loaded, but Stacked. we played a very good Cincinnati team. So I come to the game and, you know, that's the game where I'm like, I'm at the front door as people are coming in and I'm signing autographs and all this and sit there and watch the game and they lose, right? The Admirals lose and that was it. Season was over. Not well, only lose, but I might add, lose in the most absolutely gut-wrenching fashion imaginable. Yeah, some bad goal. It was a really bad goal. Yeah. And the next day I come in the office like, all right, let's go, guys. Come on. We're, we have a lot of work we got to do. And everyone's just sitting around with like bases are long and down and sad. And, you know, it was like it was a real culture shock. Like, I'm like, I got to pick all these people up. We have a lot of work we got to do here and how we're going to do it. And so it, it was a it was a really interesting experience. Yeah. But I, I think we did it in a short period of time. I think everyone sort of fell in line and said, yeah, we do have a lot of work to do. And, you know, it was what people, I think the organization did. It was a jolt of energy and, and the knowledge that someone was going to be around pushing them to be the best they could be and get this thing going again. I mean, with, with, without any offense to Fran, uh, <laughs> like nobody like nobody nobody in the office liked Fran. He was like the... Uh, the he was, was Fran in the office all the time or was no, Fran pop in? in he came in on game days and he'd walk to Phil's office. The only thing he would say to you is, is Phil in. I didn't even think he knew my name. Uh, oh, he did. He knew. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely, he knew from a yeah. because of the financial uh, perspective. Luckily, I was I was young and cheap at the time. But uh, so you're Fran old and cheap. Would, what now? I'm old and cheap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Fran would come in. He put his head down. He'd walk to Phil's office. Like it, it was it, we. Like you said, there was nobody to work for per se. And suddenly you came in and you're like, hey, let's do this. Let's have some fun. Let's get going. And suddenly it's like, somebody cares about us. Like uh, we knew Phil cared about us, but Phil wasn't making the decisions, right? And suddenly yeah. we have somebody who's making the decisions that sees us working hard and sees what the potential is there. And it makes you want to work harder from my perspective and from Woj and Bitter's perspective too, it was, it was so refreshing to have that. Well, the staff is so small. I, I mean, to this day, I still can't understand how the thing ran with like five, you know, five yeah. full-time people. But uh, I do remember like one of the first days I owned the team, uh, we decided, John Greenberg, like, hey, let's uh, take uh, Claude Noel out to lunch and just find out like, what's the relationship like between, you know, the, uh, the front office, and the locker room. Like, you know, we just want to, we're, we're trying to understand what's going on recently and we want to make sure we improve it. And we went across the street to Turner Hall for lunch. It literally was not a person in there. And we sit down and after a few moments, we go, hey, Chloe, would you, would you mind telling us, like, what's the relationship like between the front office and the locker room? And he goes, you really want to F and know? Because I'll <laughs> F and tell you. <laughs> uh, and there was F this, F that, F this, F that. And I'm like, oh, it's not good. It's not good at all. <laughs> I mean, I, I think he liked Charlie, but that was about it. That was about the 
extent of uh, a lot of the relationship. So he, he sort of gave us the true behind the scenes uh, view of things. And, but it was, it was refreshing. I also learned a lot about how Canadians view the F word. Yes. <laughs> they view it as a noun, as an adjective, as an <laughs> adverb, as a verb, yeah. uh, every, every which way you can use it, uh, they do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was great. I, yeah, it is. So it's, how, it, why, why was that important to you? Because, I mean, you think about, you know, you think about a major league team, you think about the Milwaukee Brewers. It's not important that Christian Yelich is an acquaintance of a group sales manager or anything necessarily, or one wouldn't think so, right? Their, their job is, is related, but not, it doesn't help Christian Yelich hit 350. I think there's a, it's like a two pronged thing. So you have we, I, we had John Greenberg. Here's the media relations guy for right. the Brewers coming in, and he felt that was very important. But we I knew it was going to be important because of what we were going to ultimately try to do, and that is get back into the community in a in a very extensive way, uh, and the players and the coaches knowing me, knowing John, knowing Charlie, knowing everyone around them. Like we're all going to work together to make this a success. So it's a and, building. Uh, right. And so we, we felt it was important to understand that. And we thought that if the players knew us and we knew them, it was going to be helpful. And I, you know, I remember the first in, in uh, for the 0506 season, which was the first year, you know, the team played under my ownership um, before the season started, Claude said, Hey, I want to get everyone together to meet each other. Like, right. Okay, that's fine. And so we went to the Bradley Center media room, which actually there was a picture of uh, on Twitter the other day because Andrew Bogut uh, retired and there was a, a picture of him in the, in the uh, BC media room. And uh, Claude brought all the players in and all this. And then I brought all the staff and we sat in there and everyone stood up and introduced themselves. And the most memorable person introduced themselves was Jordan Tutu who got up and says, hi, my name is Jordan Tutu. I'm a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> and so I remember that. I mean, I'll never forget him saying that. And, uh, but that was the beginning. And then from there on, when we, as you guys both know, we have an annual welcome back dinner, which I miss doing this year, yeah. um, where all the players and the front office and their families, everybody comes together, we have dinner. And then just like we did that first year, we go around the room and everybody introduces themselves. If it's a player, they'll introduce their girlfriend. If it's a, you know, one of our employees, they'll introduce their spouse. And it's, it's just a great refreshing way for everyone to get to know each other, where they're from. And sometimes guys will have funny little quips and it's great. And then you also see the guys who like have no desire to have public speaking at all. And they just freak out. Like, you know, I'm sort of a, and they just sit down immediately. <laughs> I know Jordan Tutu, you mentioned him. I know he was a special player for you and your, and your son in particular early on well, in your first year. Yeah, he was. Jordan's one of the, just a, an amazing man. And uh, the reason he touched me so much early on was he used to come out like my kids, a big thing was like, you know, coming to warmups. They always wanted to come to warmups and we would go down to our seats. We always sat in the front row across this from the team bench at the Bradley center and Jordan would come out and he would stop in front of my kids, take his glove off and inside his glove were pieces of bubble gum from the locker room. <laughs> and he would throw them over the glass to my kids. They loved that. And I loved that he did that. Like, you know, he was a young kid at the time to think that he had enough inside him to say, oh, I want to do something nice for these kids. I'm going to go into, you know, at the locker room, there's always a drawer with the gum and he'd take a couple pieces and bring it out for them. Just really meant a lot to me. My kids loved Jordan and it was just, that was a special thing, especially when they're young and to be introduced to the team in that way. It was really cool. That whole year, we talk so much about athletes, young athletes coming up and you're winning right away and you go to a championship and all of that. And you, Dan Marino talks about, well, I thought I'd be in the Super Bowl every year. Right. Did you kind of have that feeling you, I mean, it was two years before they won the Calder cup. Now it's your first year. And I mean, look at this team. It all, it won 49 games. It after the Jake Moreland game against Iowa, it breezed <laughs> through the playoffs. Yeah, steam the through the playoffs. Yep. It was crazy. Yep. It, 
I guess I, you know, uh, this past season, I sort of started having thoughts of, wow, we're really good. We could do something special. Um, and I, I think maybe back then I thought maybe we'd, we'd do this again. I, you know, not every year. I, uh, I know that. I remember when I coached little kids in baseball, you know, we went and we won a championship. And I, I told, and when the kids got older, I'm like, yeah, you don't win a whole lot when you in life, you just don't, you don't win championships. I'm like, you know, you were pretty lucky that you won something because yeah, right. most kids will never win any, you know, people will win anything. And so when you win something, you better appreciate it and make it to the finals that year. I did appreciate it. I still remember going to Hershey park and stuff and uh, the dinners we had and just all the special moments that season. It was really amazing. It was uh, that season was amazing. There was so much, you know, we were so good on the ice. We were doing new things. We were getting attention. We did some, you know, your, your charge was always, we got to be minor league. And one of the promotions we did that year, which maybe is one, it, I can't say it. I want to, I don't want to go so far as say it was my favorite promotion that we've ever done, but so unique and so off the wall and just made everybody laugh. And that was the hairiest back contest. That uh, it's just so disgusting, and but that was like, yeah, hey, this is what we this is what we do. This is what we want to do. Let's do things. Everything doesn't have to be a, a concert. We can do crazy things that get attention that don't hurt anybody, but they they uh, they they make our mark on the entertainment landscape in Milwaukee. And Jen, I think Jen Latta, I think this was her first as a full time reporter. I think this was her first assignment. And she came down for that Harry's back contest. And now she's she, at ESPN. <laughs> and now she's at ESPN. Look what you could do for your career. But no, she, she, she was, she got into it. She got up on stage and I, I remember her putting her hand on some of these guys' backs and her hand just disappears into the hair. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And, and it's disgusting to think about now, but that was just the, that was the attitude that you brought and that you wanted to see from everybody is let's think outside the box. And let's figure out ways to uh, to have fun and to entertain people because we can't necessarily control what happens on the ice. And I can tell you that first, we had some real characters on the team. I mean, real characters. And uh, from Jeremy Oblonsky to Yab, I mean, to um, uh, Zach Stortini. And, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Siegs. And, and we I mean, just... I, so many guys. You hosted and, and Pekka Rene and Jordan Tutu. And right. And Scotty Upshaw. Scotty Upshaw. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, I remember you hosted a, um, a Christmas party at, uh, at Moe's that first year in the upper level there. Yep. And I, I so clearly remember Timo Shishkanov's dad being there. And this guy could not have come out of central casting for Russian, old <laughs> Russian Iron Curtain guy. Right. Like he was. It was almost, yes. it, he was just, it was like, he was a, yeah, a, so astonished to like this, this huge piece of meat just sitting in front of him and like, uh, you know, we can't have this in Russia, right? <laughs> the the was, one steak was for all of us to share. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> in former so... Soviet Union, steak eat you. <laughs> <Yeah. Right. laughs> I remember that dinner. That's, I have forgotten, but now you reminded me of it. I, yeah, it was, think... it was really cool. We did a lot of cool things and. Then I remember in the playoffs, the finals, like the days between games were so long. It was not your typical seven game series. And I remember Claude called me up. He's like, Harris, the guys are really bored. Can we do something? And I said, well, how about we take them golfing? And so we took everyone golfing and then we went out for dinner and I remember Cal O'Reilly was on that team. Yes, he was a black ace. <laughs> Yeah, he had been brought up from uh, juniors. I mean, you want to talk about a kid who just like looked like he just got out of high school. Yeah. And he did. He he sat next to my daughter at dinner. And my daughter at the time, and I'm trying to think, this she had to be seven years old, six years old. And oh no, wait, I'm sorry. She was she was five years old. She was five. And she's just asking him all these questions. And I sort of felt bad, like he was sitting right next to her. So afterwards, I, I went up to him, like, hey, Cal, I'm really sorry. You know, I put you next to my daughter. But he's like, oh, that's okay. She was really nice. And, you know, we had a nice conversation. And I have a little sister, too. So it was all, all good. 
I, Keller, I, I tell this story often, but we got off the bus in Des Moines uh, in that first round series and we had a sleeper bus and we get off the bus at the arena in Des Moines at Wells Fargo arena. And Paul Brown asks Cal O'Reilly, why aren't you growing a playoff beard? And Cal says, I'm trying. <laughs> well, I still can't grow a playoff beard. So I understand that. <laughs> so it's I gotta, I'll ask you, what are your, some, some of your favorite promotions that we've done uh, since you've been here? Obviously you mentioned the dropkick Murphys, which everybody remembers that that's like the, you know, the, it's the Robert Dietrich game, essentially. I remember guys like that game because guys were, these guys in kilts were jumping, were going, climbing over the glass to get onto the ice and stuff. It was just wild. <laughs> I, it was unbelievable, but a great moment. Yeah. Um, God, some of my favorite promotions. I, By the way, real well, quick this, about the Dropkick Murphys, we, I'm pretty sure we did, we had to leave after that game. I think we had to get on the bus as a team to go to the next stop. So we didn't get to see the show, but I was there for the sound check and they did like seven uh, songs by the who. And it was the loudest thing I'd ever heard, but it was also one of the coolest thing. It was so unbelievably cool that they would do that. Yeah. Well, all, all of us, when we're at, you know, when you're at work and the guy, we do have a concert, they do sound checks and it's like, Oh man, those things are pretty cool to, to be around. Um, you know, I'm, there are things I'm really proud of. Like when I remember the first year we decided that we're going to do a charity game and the charity game has existed ever since. And to think that we've been able to raise the kind of money we have for uh, charity from that game over the last, over those 15 seasons is pretty remarkable. Um, that's probably the thing I'm most proud of because it was like, and then we sold $2 tickets the first year and we were, you know, like we sold, we announced, I think we announced that at a game and we had, yes. I, I bet we had, there were lines a hundred people deep after the game of people wanting to buy tickets for that game. And never did I ever dream that there would be this crazy demand for it, but there was. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the great promotions. I am, you know, you put me on the spot. So I know I, I really did. Well, we can't we can't forget Wojo uh, getting. Oh well, yeah, no, him getting his uh, uh, the prostate check. I mean, I don't know if it's a promotion. <laughs> I don't know what you want to call it, but yeah, we uh, didn't sell tickets for that. Yeah, no, no. Um, God, I, I I wish I had had some time to think about this one because there are there have been some things that have garnered us, and that's what was the always the thing is any of the promotions we do. It's like I want it. It may not sell tickets, but it's going to get people on the radio and whatnot talking about us. Well, the Mi the Michael Phelps bit. The Mike, yes, we got like noticed Mike in Knight. Sports Illustrated for that damn Jim play, Rome, right? yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Jim so that, that that's a great one. Thank you for reminding me of it because I have um, in my office the because we we were in Sports Illustrated like a week or two later, and there it was, I'm like. Yep. Wow, we really made it, I and mean, we've got a lot of attention. We've done a number of the things that we've done have gotten national attention for the things that we do, and so I'm really proud of that fact. You know, we—I I remember we talked a little bit earlier about Lane, and uh, we wanted to paint to the. Oh the, yes. We wanted to paint Yellow. the the, uh, the face-off circles green and gold. Yeah. And we went into him with this, and you might as well have said, "Let's." Instead of play hockey, let's play baseball because it was like, what you want to do what? And, but eventually, you know, he, he got it. What we were trying to do. He battled us. Uh, there was a lot of to and back and forth there. Uh, but that got us some good attention, not nationally, but locally because it was, it was, uh, it was, Packers. It was Packers and the Packers. That was the, the the Giants game. We gave away a trip to Lambeau to ride. You ride in a limo up there and uh, watch the watch Brett Favre throw his last interception and, uh, <laughs> and then come back. <laughs> Little did we know. Um, yeah, exactly. No, I remember. I, we should have like told Lane we we're gonna paint the uh, ice black. <laughs> So no, it's not the goalies. No one can see the puck. <laughs> well, Mitch Korn would have liked that. He'd have loved that for a training a training tool. <laughs> yeah. You think? You think? Uh, I'm curious. You've mentioned your kids. We have mentioned your your children a couple of times. How 
how much of a, a font were they for you to to bounce ideas off your kids and and see what what you know for lack of a better term what the young people are thinking well i think the biggest thing from bouncing things as you said off of them it's always been the music uh they always want and, and I have to say, I give them a lot of credit because, you know, my son watches a lot of NHL, so does my daughter, and, the, you know, they hear the music on there, and, or if you go to an NHL game, you go to Nashville, you, we've gone to Florida Panther games, Tampa Bay Lightning games, uh, you know, Blackhawk games, you name it, the music is blaring, yeah. uh, you know, as, as I always tell our people, because sometimes they'll be like, oh, it's going to be so loud that people's ears will be bleeding. I'm like, well, when they're bleeding, we've succeeded because that's what we want to <laughs> see. But if you go to an NHL game, I mean, you can feel the music pounding inside of you. And they always said, we got, we got to get younger and younger. And I think we've done slowly but surely, we continue to do a better and better job at the, at the kind of music that we perform. That's been their biggest thing. It's hard to throw... Some of the stuff, a like, uh, hairy back contest to my kids, like they can't relate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait, back then, now, you know, now they can understand. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, uh, certainly a big moment in your tenure with the Admirals was getting the team from the Bradley Center, which was being demolished, back over to Panther Arena. Uh, so talk a little bit about that process, how it all went down, that we're not at the Pfizer Forum, which probably is a good thing for us in the long run. Uh, and that we're back in a place that's, you know, the Bradley Center was great, but it was always, it was always too big, always too big for the Admirals, even though it just drop, dropkick Murphy's, we can put 16,000 people in Dirk's Bentley, Dirk we Bentley. can sell it out, yeah. Yeah. but that's, that's not, that's not the norm. That's the, uh, that's the exception. And now we're in a building where we can sell the building out without necessarily having to, uh, to have Dirk's Bentley in. And we really can't because we can't afford him because we can't sell enough tickets. So exactly. just talk us. Talk us through how that went down from uh, going from the Bradley Center over to Panther Arena. You know, well, I didn't love the process. I, I, I have to be honest, it was, it was sort of a disjointed process that went on, you know, and I, when the bucks were sold, I tried I try to create a good relationship with the new group of people that were here in town. And eventually I got to meet with, uh, their people and you know we, we had a very cordial meeting and they sort of hinted like yeah we were going to be part of the new building but then afterwards never heard much and then the man who was running the Wisconsin Center District at the time Russ Starkle approached us and said oh it'd be great if you guys moved back and I mean I knew what was really going on and he was sent as a conduit to say hey you know, the admirals aren't going to the new building. You're coming back here. We're knocking the Bradley Center down. Uh, but I really wish there had been more of a formal process to that. And them saying, Harris, you know, here's what we're looking at doing and why. And here's what will be the benefits of you moving to the arena. But, you know, to Russ's credit, he did a great job of selling us on how great it'll be and that they're going to invest the money in, into the building. And, uh, you know, one of the things that did open for us, though, was the opportunity to finally make some money off of uh, concessions and merchandise. And for people watching this who don't know, you, if you used to come to an Admirals game at the Bradley Center, you could have bought a hot dog and a beer or and an Admirals jersey. Or even Admirals, Admirals jersey. Yeah. yeah, any of that stuff. And we never benefited. In fact, the Milwaukee Bucks benefited by that and the building benefited, but we did not. And that was just wrong. I mean, it really was, and but we didn't really have an alternative. Uh, going back to the arena, I never even thought of, and it would have taken millions of dollars in investment, as was done, in order for us to move back anyway. So we really didn't have a choice, and we had to accept what the circumstances were. But this move then opened that door, and I told them, I'm like, you know, here's what we're going to need in order to move and be legitimately, you know, we're, we were going to be the primary tenant, in my opinion, at the Panther Arena. We were the ones who were going to generate the most revenue, the most fans, and the most revenue, period. And so they needed to deal with us on a legitimate basis. And I was fortunate enough to be able to use my resources at the Brewers to understand as we went through the negotiations what we should be looking for and asking for and what was fair. And I think we got a, a very fair deal. You know, But we also, what people don't maybe know and, and is that the admirals 
we invested literally millions of dollars into the building. Right. It wasn't just the Wisconsin Center District making the building what it is today. We've invested a lot of money, literally millions into it in order to make it as nice as it is. Yeah. It, how I know it was it was trying and obviously is stressful, but at the at the same time, it's it's sort of a blank canvas, right? That you yeah. Got. Oh, it was. I, I mean, we've done some great things even since we moved in here, and I mean, and yeah. you've seen. You know, we first we created. I remember when they put the rink down and all that, and I'm like, I'm looking at the north end. I'm like, you can't put any real seats there, and there's this blank space. Like, well, what are we going to do with it? And then we came up with uh, what has been known as the U.S. Bank Club. And it created this party area, which at that time, that was the beginning of these party areas becoming bigger and bigger and bigger and more in demand by companies. So we put that in and you ask any of the companies that have ever rented it, they just think it's great. It's some of the most unique perspectives to watch a sporting event in Wisconsin. You are on, on the ice, the puck's coming at you and right. it's just amazing. Your, your back is turned and a puck and a puck hits the, the board, you're liable to drop your beer. Yeah, it's it's un, it's unreal. And then uh, last year we created a new area and got a smaller sort of party area for people. And, you know, I think the building will continue to evolve. Um, you know, right now we're sort of in a standstill and, uh, but down the road, you know, that's my hope is that we will continue to make it a better and better place to watch games and, uh, I, I am very confident that's going to happen. To go, to go along with, uh, when we talk about the evolution of the building and all of that, to go along kind of with um, the what we talked about, the minor league putting on the show and everything, and, and maybe people aren't so invested in the players specifically, but they're invested in the show. Um, places like the U.S. Bank Club, uh, sitting between the benches, those sort of premium areas, those, I mean, you go to NHL arenas and they all have just countertops in places. A lot of baseball stadiums have that too, countertops where you can just kind of, you Stand. sit back from everybody else, but you're hanging out, having a conversation, whatever. I mean, those types of places, right? The, the bar, the bar is a great, at, at Panther arena is a great example. Right. And, and that's, you know, those are the kinds of things that we've looked at and talked more about is that people want to, they want it to be a social event. Yes. I think sports has changed tremendously in that way. It's not just Where's my seat? I'm going to sit there for two, three hours and then Keep leave. The book and yeah. I mean, you go to Miller Park now. I mean, there's playgrounds and there's areas to, like you said, stand on a, at a counter and watch and talk to your friends that you've come to the, the event with. I mean, it's just that is what people are looking for more and more and more. And understandably so. Not everybody's a hockey fan. Not everyone's a baseball fan or whatever. But they want to be where others are. Yeah. Which is one of the odd things about COVID is like, it's like none of us are together, but you know, I still believe that's people's desires to be around each other and get together. And so when things do get better and we can get together again for an Admirals game, I think those areas will be used. It's, and, it's one of the great sources of community kinship of, uh, of all of that. Right. I mean, Republican, Democrat, whatever right. you might be, you can all get together and root for the Brewers or the Admirals. Exactly. And that's one of the things that's great about sports. Uh, we, uh, I always talk about it. I mean, uh, I've gone to so many games and high five so many people I didn't know. I, I couldn't tell you anything about them other right. than they were a fan of the Brewers, the Admirals, whoever I was watching. And that yeah. was the beauty of it. It's like yeah. you are all there in, in, uh, with one goal in mind, and that's to see your team win. Yeah. You know, we've uh, – I don't know. I don't want to put you too much on the spot again, but I, I do want to ask, like, what are you look back over 15, 16 years of owning the team and what come to what, what games and memories do you have that, like you say, you know, I don't want to say your favorite game, but like, what's something that pops to mind as soon as someone says, you know, what's really memorable. And you think about maybe the Robert Dietrich game, uh, which is certainly a, a popular one or going to uh, the finals that first year, uh, in Hershey and uh, sweeping Grand Rapids and, and Houston in the, in the playoffs. But what are some of those games, the hockey type moments that you, that you recall? I remember our first, the first game that I owned the team was in Grand Rapids. I remember yeah. John Kreeberg and I went there. I think you were there. I mean, just, it was like, wow, like it's all, and, and we had worked so hard that summer and like oh, all the hard work, you know, here we go. And <laughs> that was a, a big moment. 
And we oh, lost they, that game like six to three. And oh yeah, we got thrashed. Yuri, Yuri, Yuri Hudler <laughs> had five or six goals. Yeah, yeah. right. Yuri Hudler had uh, had a hat trick, and then John Greenberg got the All Star game that year. Went up to uh, well, what he thought was Yuri Hudler it was actually actually Valtteri Filipula, and said, "You ruined my first night as president of the Admirals." <laughs> and Filipula is a Finnish guy who's just sitting there. Actually, was sitting there with Pekka. They're chatting. Filipula looks at him like. What? Huh? He's like, oh, you had a hat trick that first game, and Falpula went along with it. I don't think he had any idea what he was talking about. <laughs> Anyways, um, I interrupted. I'm sorry. No, no, no. The, the 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 game seven, the Jake Moreland game that was brought up earlier. That I, I mean, I will never forget that moment. Um, and I remember some of the games in the finals that year in Hershey. I have good memories and bad, and sometimes those bad memories stick in your brain yeah. as well. And I remember game five and, and Hershey was just all over us. It, it was, it was hard to watch. Like they just kept coming and coming. We had no answer. And uh, Pekka got shell shocked. Yeah. That was the only way to describe it. Uh, and I remember we came home for game six and I'm just praying like he found himself and I'm, he just didn't. And it was, it was over. And that was really hard. Um, there's been other, t- I remember games, it was like we had uh, Chris Mill- Mueller and um, on Borky, and I remember those games, it, playoff games, They were. I was actually watching when I was in Florida, and it was playoff games, we won some amazing, it was an the amazing Texas, game. The Texas back. games, yeah, Texas. Yeah. yeah, and so I remember those really well. Dude, um, but what, some what of the, is- more, the games themselves, I've always meant as much as like things around it. Like one yes. year I went down, to Texas to watch us play. It was game three of a five-game series against Texas. We were down 0-2 already at home. We went down there, and we lost right away. But the fun part was the next day, everyone was just – like, we weren't coming home, so we stayed, the team stayed down. We went out. I remember we went to a Mexican place. Everyone was just having a really good time. That's all <laughs> I can say. But the, the next day, we're – like, I met both the kids, and – uh, Brandon got to, my son, Brandon got to hang out at the pool with all the players. And I think he was like 13 years old or something like that. He was getting a real education right away. <laughs> <laughs> I think guys were feeding him alcohol and I don't know what all went on. Cause I left cause I took Gabby out for, we did something to keep her entertained, but it was pretty funny. <laughs> the, uh, probably, I bet Scott Ford knows more than I, yeah, I, I was probably, probably, you mentioned Fordo. I'm curious, like, it would be unfair to you to name all the guys who you might consider favorite players. But I mean, you mentioned Jordan Tutu at the beginning. I asked you about Jordan Tutu and, and Scott Ford would certainly be up there. I mean, we've been blessed to have so many good people and people may know this, may, people may not, but you, you are connected. You have tickets to events, things like that. So you're able to, uh, give these things to players and let them have the, the Milwaukee experience. And where, where does that come from to, you know, to, it obviously builds up goodwill, but it, it, it also kind of celebrates the community and, and allows the players to celebrate the community a little bit. It definitely, I mean, I, I love Milwaukee and, you know, we always want people to see the best side of our community. And the great things that Milwaukee has. We'll always talk when, whenever our season ends and be in the locker room talking to the guys. It's always a tough day. Um, and you always say, hey, if you guys come back in the summer, let us know. Brewer games or Summerfest. Or, you know, all the things that make Milwaukee a great place to live yeah. and, and work. And so, you know, it was always like, hey, you guys should come and see these things and, and be a part. They're young, they're young kids. I mean, I think about like my son, if he was out doing this and, and had the opportunity, like I would, how would I want him treated? And so the players like my, like the front offices, like an extension of my family. And that's how I treat everyone there. And I treat our players, you know, the same way, especially if they treat me that way. And yeah. There's been just so many great guys that have come through. We, we were talking earlier about one player. I'm not going to talk about who it is, but there was only been one player in the history that I've owned the team, I ever had to call Nashville about and say, hey, we, we got a problem here yeah, with yeah. this person. And they took care of the problem. <laughs> and that, yes, they sure did, swiftly. 
They did, but yeah. you know, th- and that doesn't mean every single guy that's come through has been, you know, unbelievable. Yeah. We've had a ton of great people that, who've come through that locker room who have you know, I, been I was, amazing people. I was just listening the other day to a, another podcast uh, that had Roman Yossi on and uh, it had been taped a while ago, but they asked him like, how was your year in Milwaukee, right? Like, how is that coming from, from, the, from a foreign country, coming from Switzerland? And now you're in Milwaukee. And Yossi was like, you know what? It was awesome. I loved it. I had a great time. We, we had so much fun. We did all like, yeah, the, we had a really good team. And then, and outside of it, it was like, we did so many things. We got to do, you know, fun stuff. And, and that fun stuff certainly is going to Bucks games and going to Brewers games and just experiencing and whatever. Yeah. yeah, And experiencing Milwaukee uh, in, in a very positive light well, and that we gotta t- i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt but we got to tell you harrison i don't know if you've heard any of these but but to a person uh everybody we've spoken to who has played here they all say um that this was one of their favorite times in their life and and part of it is they're young and they're getting but they're always together and they all they had stuff to do and and all of that i mean this is serious pekka just said it here last week uh right the, this, this was really one of the really good times that they had in their life. And that that's exciting to hear. That's awesome to hear. And it's certainly a reflection on your ownership and what you do and, 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 and your visibility to the team, right? Yeah. Uh, like they guys appreciate that, not just the office workers, but the players appreciate to know that the owner is, they care. He can, you care about what they do on the ice and that they're, you know, they're scoring and they're gooning it up and stuff like that. <laughs> you know, I, I care about our players and there's so many, like I said, so many nice guys I've had great relationships with and continue to the, to, to this day and just been very lucky. I mean, I, I think about it all the time. I mean, Pekka was obviously one of my favorite people who ever came through Milwaukee, one of the nicest guys. I mean, just, you know, did not many people nicer than, than Pekka Rene. And I'll never forget the game he came back. Uh, when yeah. he was injured and came back. I mean, I remember people saying, oh, people are going to come back and, and watch us, see him play. And then we have a big crowd. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I know everyone knows Pekka if you're an NHL fan. Well, I was wrong. I was happy I was wrong. All these people came back. The media was everywhere. Yeah. And he, instead of being, you know, because we had a couple other guys come through who had uh, rehab assignments who right. didn't exactly embrace the moment. He not only embraced it, he promoted it and he made it such a positive thing, not only for himself, but for our organization. And so it was awesome. I, that, I, that's what makes him such yeah. a good person. I, I contend, and I've, I've, Aaron and I have spoken about this, that when Pekka played those games with us, he was the best player to ever play in the AHL, like at a peak of his yeah. career. Yeah, not a guy on his way down. or Not on his way down. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Not on his way up, but at that very moment – like he was the best, he was the best player uh, that that has ever played in the American Hockey League. And to, and to your point, and we mentioned this to him, I we have never seen pl- people come to watch warmups. I mean, your kids aside, obviously, like <laughs> right? But I love warmups. Yeah. yeah, right. There was an audible cheer when he came on the ice. That was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. When he came back for that game. Well, I remember he was in the locker. It was just like old times. It was like you turned the clock back a few years and. It was so cool. It really was. It was a special moment for all of us, and we were lucky we had it. And, you know, another big thing we and we would certainly be remiss if we didn't talk about this because uh, your charge to the to the staff of okay, yeah, we're going to go out there and it's going to be minor league. But another big thing, and this was had a direct impact on me, was we are going to get back out in the community, and that is going to be an, an, a major priority for us. Uh, you know, why did you have that attitude and? Uh, to that you wanted to to give back uh, so much. Well, I've always been involved in the community. We, our family has given a lot over many many years. I've been involved in at so many different uh, charities. But the thing about sports teams that I always saw was look at the power of a group of people. The group that cheers and sometimes people say, "Oh, they, the the fans change the momentum of a game." It uh, doesn't matter which one, basketball, baseball, hockey, and, and they can give a lot of uh, you know, energy to a team. Well, 
I thought we can take that same energy and same power and turn it into a way for us as an organization to give back because the admirals, it, whether it be the charity game where everyone's spending like $2 and it, like you're not investing a whole lot, but together and combined we were. And then I always felt like we needed to have uh, a, our place in the community. We had to give back because we asked the community to support us, spend your hard earned money, come to gain, spend time. And you have to appreciate that, but you also have to then give back. You have to show your appreciation to the people and to the community. And that is essential to, I think the lifeblood, I think Milwaukeeans appreciate that. They see that and they want, uh, they want to know that their team cares about the community, not just the community caring about us. It's got to be a two-way street. And so I, I think we've taken the power of the, of, the, of the fans, we've taken the power of the organization and used it to our, you know, to our best abilities. And I'm really proud of that. And we will continue to. And we've, you know, we started our foundation a number of years ago. Again, here again are the fans giving back we do a 50-50 raffle. They donate money for uh, jerseys and whatnot. I mean, the kind of money that we've given back to the community is unbelievable. For us, as small as we are, we've had a real influence. I, I, I'm very proud, very proud of the work that we've done. And Charlie, you've been a huge part of doing, Aaron, you have as well, like just promoting the things that we do. That's so important. And we just we all work together and make it a success, and I think that's great. I'm proud of that. I think that's a good way to end, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Like it, with the uh... exception of when we do get back <laughs> to playing hockey, are there any tricks up your sleeves? Do we have any 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 like like have you used this break to to think about things that boy i wish we could have done but we haven't had the time to develop it have you has there been anything like i don't want you to give away well i guess i do i want you to give away secrets if you have any secrets like that yeah like a uh, are you proposing a two goal if you shoot it from behind the blue line you get two <laughs> goals to make the last minute extra exciting right exactly <laughs> um i have not put down on paper, like, you know, hey, we need to do this and we need to do that. Uh, I think once the point, the time comes, we're going to react to the times. You know, so if we had a game where you had 25% of the building could be filled, you know, are you going to throw your best stuff at the 25? No, I don't think we will. I think we'll wait till we can really bring people out and do some great things. Uh, but I, one of the things I know is that we're, when we get back out there, it's going to be essential that we garner people's attention. Yeah. And so the things we do can't just be what we've done in the past. We can do some, but we're going to have to do some things like a jockstrap night, like a hairy bat. It's going to like, people are saying, whoa, did you see what the admirals did? Yeah. Because we don't know how long we're going to be out and while we are in the community and people are hearing our name, we also don't want you to forget about us. And that's one of the concerns when you talk about this kind of period of time of not uh, playing games and being in the media and being on social media with, you know, here, here's how the admirals are doing. Um, I don't want people to forget about us because one of the things you'll see out there is people say, oh yeah, I found other things to do. I, you know, during COVID I've, you know, I'm, I'm not watching this sports or sport or that sport and whatever. I, I hope people don't feel that way about us. We're going to have to do things that will I don't know, shock you or maybe that's not the right word, but at least garner your attention. Right. And so that's going to be, I, I know we have the best in the business and Mike Wojciechowski, uh, everyone knows that. And yeah. he's, if anyone's mind's working on that kind of stuff, it's going to be him. But I think it'll be relative to the time when we get going. You know, you th we were talking earlier, the Michael Phelps thing, you know, no one was thinking about that a year before it happened. Right. Right. Uh, so I think we will do some things based off of timing. Well, we look forward to it. We can't wait. For I can't wait. I, can't, I, can't, yeah. I mean, for me, the biggest promotion is to be dropping the puck again at the <laughs> arena. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> that's right. That'll, that'll be great. I mean, the last time I saw our team, 
I was holding uh, Bender the dog for the team photo. Yeah. And that's true. It, that was a surreal Which, moment. I, and thank God we did the picture that day because yeah. boy, it would have been disappointing to, to go four days later, everybody year, was kicked out. Yeah. Yeah. And have such an amazing year, even though we didn't get to finish it like we did. Um, Cause we always, you know, not to go into inside baseball, but we never do the team picture until after the trading deadline, because there's so much variability and what's going on. So the trading deadline happens right around the first of March. So then it's just, when is the team going to be in town with an off day and let's do the picture. And, and you and John had said, we should probably do one with the entire staff. Let's get everybody involved because this is such a unique year. And we did. And the next day we had our, our, uh, we had the school day game, which we won against San Antonio. Yep, yep. And that night, Rudy Gobert, uh, a name that I, <laughs> he's that the, I he's, he started this whole thing. Right, I, <laughs> he goes down in history as the guy, right? Uh, in my book, I, I absolutely agree. Cause I remember being home that night and all of a sudden I'm scrolling, you know, game canceled. And I'm like, uh Oh, it's over. It's that COVID thing. <laughs> Cause they weren't saying at first, they just said the game was canceled, but. It had been sports, right? But we were in Austin that weekend, and all of a sudden, South by Southwest was canceled, and, and so on and so on, right? So all of these things, and then as Charlie and you guys said, Rudy Gobert, and then it's like, okay, now we're done. Now yeah. it's probably right. It's probably we all, I knew it was over. I, I never thought we were coming back. I, I never. Yeah. I knew it was over. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I very sad. But we got something to look forward to. We're on the right we track. We do. Back, so that's good. And I saw a tweet yesterday, and I think this is absolutely true, not only for all of us, but for everyone who's going to watch this. You know, it's like we can lament on the negative things going on, but it's time to be also thankful for the things, that, the good things that we have in our lives. And it's yep. very easy to think about the negative. Let's, let's start thinking about the positive. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. There are vaccines coming out. And hopefully, and I have my fingers crossed, you know, by summer, things are going to be a lot better. And next season – for sure it's going to happen. Whether we'll have a season, I can't, I can't say anything about this season, but I can definitely tell you that we, I believe strongly 21, 22 will, will happen and it's going to be great. And we're going to be the best we've, we've ever been. We look forward to it. Harris, thanks so much for doing this. We really appreciate it. Well, this has been great. And I just want to thank both of you for uh, having me on and uh, to all of our fans. Uh, thank you for all you guys have continued to support us through this uh, unique time, but uh, we will be back and we are going to be out there for all of you. And we can't wait to come back and play hockey. Admiral's owner, Harris Turk. Uh, thanks for listening to this Milwaukee Admiral's podcast. I cannot take this anymore. Saying everything I said before.